Well, hello and happy Wednesday. Uh, thank you for joining us again today, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Mark, uh, coming to you again just to be able to deliver a, a Bible study today of continuing on with our series of looking at the book of Acts. And today we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. Uh, so if you have your Bible, feel free to get that out, follow along with us. We'll break it down into basically five different sections today kind of talk a little bit about each one. And just as a reminder, if you have any questions this week or something that stood out to you, please email myself and Pastor Mark and share with us either an insight that you had, a question that we can answer for you, and maybe we can correspond a little bit. Uh, with that, we'll jump right into our text today. Uh, Pastor Mark, you want to start out reading for us and we'll go from there? Yeah, we'll get the first 13 verses. And uh, again, I'll uh, just uh, echo your uh, request for uh, some interaction. So we didn't get very many comments or questions last week. Uh, so feel free to send an email, leave a note in the comment section or uh, however you want to do it. Uh, okay, Sounds Acts chapter good. 2. This is the big one. Oh man, this is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. Big. And this is, uh, this is the big birthday of the church. So here we go. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were eating, uh, sitting. <laughs> and divided tongues of as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And as this sound, uh, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and uh, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. <laughs> Interesting conclusion. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a second. For so sure. Here we are. Uh, you know, the, the birth, like you said, of the, of the church in a lot of ways, the birthday, the Holy Spirit coming during this time of Pentecost. Yep, exactly what Jesus had promised his disciples uh, before and on his ascension into heaven, which was, again, 40 days. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 50 days, Pentecost, Pente like Pentagon, five sides, Pentecost is 50 days uh, after... Now, this was a already established Jewish holiday mm -hmm. uh, 50 days after the Passover. Remember, Jesus was you know, crucified the night before the Passover. Um, and so this Pentecost was, uh, you, you can read about it in Leviticus 23, right in the middle of the chapter. Uh, but it was called the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. 
And it was very much like our Thanksgiving Day uh, celebrations here in America, where we uh, just give thanks to God for the harvest, uh, for his good gifts uh, through the land. So this was the holiday, already established holiday, that uh, God sent the Holy Spirit uh, to begin his work in and through the followers of Jesus uh, to start the church. So then during this holiday time, I mean, here's the activity that takes place. You know, it talks about all these people are here from all these different regions, and all of a sudden they hear this great sound and they become utterly amazed because this, this wind shows up and these tongues of fire, which we still use today in the church, you'll see it um, during uh, uh, Pentecost celebration, you'll see it during uh, maybe baptism. a confirmation, yep, yeah, definitely. baptism, definitely on the banners that we put in our church, these symbols of tongues of fire and these symbols of you know the Holy Spirit that are there even still for us today. And kind of interesting there, that parallel that's there, this, these tongues that they're speaking in and these tongues of fire and this declaration that's there for everybody to be able to hear. And uh, so again, a, a huge festival in the Jewish faith. So Jews and proselytes, those mm. are people who are not of Jewish ethnicity, but have converted to the Jewish faith. And so again, this is a very big festival, or I should say a holy day uh, also. Uh, for Jews, and so people were coming to Jerusalem from all over, and I think that's pretty remarkable too. Uh, from yeah, I'm not going to name them all again. I'd probably mispronounce half of them anyway. You did pretty good. <laughs> you did pretty good. <laughs> but anyway, you know, from Arabia to Cyrene, I mean, just all over uh, the known world, uh, were in Jerusalem. And so, uh, one of the things, of course, uh, sometimes I get asked about the tongues mm. and the different, you know, languages. There's some to emphasize kind of this unknown <clears throat> tongue of the Holy sure, Spirit, this sure. unknown language. And uh, Paul uh, makes some reference to that in another letter. We're, we're not going to get into that today. Uh, but what Luke is recording here in Acts, uh, it seems to be very clear. Uh, the word tongues is languages. And it was very understandable. As I actually was so understandable uh, to the people uh, present that they not only heard the gospel in their own language. They even heard it in their own dialect yeah. of their own language. So if I had been there, I would have heard Peter and the other disciples saying, Jesus died for y'all, <laughs> right? It wouldn't have just been in English, he died for you. Like it really would have been in my Southern dialect. I don't think I have a good California dialect to, to be able to try and express. Oh, sure you yeah. do, man. <laughs> there you go, I'll leave the impressions to you, yeah. Jesus is totally awesome. <laughs> That's what you would have heard Peter the message say. right there. <laughs> Surfs up, dude. Interesting enough, from from all of those, it's so clear to say that this isn't from these men, right? It isn't something that they oh. learned these language. It wasn't on their behalf. Exactly. It's really clear. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they began to speak within these tongues. And obviously, this is impressive to these individuals that are there because... Uh, they're saying, how is it? They're not just saying, oh, yeah, these guys came from these different regions. That's why I can understand what they're saying. They actually knew a lot of these men that are there and knew that they did not speak these languages. And they are filled with, as it says, bewilderment in there. What a great word that it uses, that it's just their just minds are, are blown as yep. to this concept that this is actually happening. Uh, and it goes through then all these different areas. And it gets down to 
what a, a great Lutheran question that's asked in uh, verse 12 there. So they hear this in all these different languages, and just as Luther inquires upon us and pushes us to always ask, the men ask those questions. So what does this mean? Yeah. What does this mean that out of nowhere during this celebration, the Holy Spirit is alive, and I personally, me, I am able to hear this great gospel message, not in a foreign form, but in a native way to me. And there's something that's really neat to that, I think, for us as a church today, you know, even for us as individuals, how are we speaking to and with people in a way that they understand, mm -hmm. that's familiar to them? How am I reaching out to others around me to be able to share that? And uh, <clears throat> point number one, probably before that, how am I ensuring that I have the, the strength and encouragement to do so, knowing that this comes from the Holy Spirit? You know, when you may say, well, I don't know how to speak to my neighbor, or I don't know what to do. Well, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to fill in those gaps, or more importantly, be the foundation and allow you to jump in and be able to kind of take that on. That's great points. I think uh, it makes me think kind of an overarching theme for our church family, for all Christians today, is... Uh, how do we continue to speak the unchanging truth, mm. the gospel, in an ever-changing world, ever-changing culture? Talk about being relevant like today, right? Of the What we find ourselves of being able to have these new types of church services, if you will, or this online Bible study <laughs> and being able to use the tools that God has given us to be able to speak that and be able to get that gospel message out. Yep. Funny enough, though, that it ends with verse 13. We've got to address it briefly. Some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've had, they've had too, much, too much wine. Right. And then uh, Peter kind of explains that away, I think, though, as we, we get into it. So maybe we should just jump into the next section there. Let's right. look at verses uh, 14 through 21. I'll go ahead and uh, read these ones for us. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Great. So that last, you know, well, half, more than half, though. So verses 17 to 21 there, that is all a direct quote from Joel chapter 2. And it's verses 28 to 32. I think that's uh, uh, amazing how uh, throughout Scripture uh, we see all these contact points or interconnected uh, prophecies with fulfillments mm. uh, from Genesis all the way through Joel, one of the last prophets of uh, the Old Testament. Uh, again, prophesying even beyond the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, to work through God's people. Um, 
And I see law and gospel in here, right? I see judgment and, and grace. Mm. You know, you talk about, uh, you kind of think of Pentecost, this beautiful, wonderful, happy day, mm. the birth of the church. This is all great stuff. And to answer the question, what does this mean? You know, Peter's quoting this, this prophet prophecy from the prophet Joel. And so you do get the outpouring of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters, the prophecies, the visions, the dreams, the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then, by the way, this is also going to be an age where God will allow and show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And what are they? Blood and fire, vapor of smoke, mm. sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood, uh, before the day of the Lord. And then throughout Scripture, the day of the Lord is always the last day, mm -hmm. the day Jesus returns. And so the Holy Spirit is at work in uh, a fallen world it's a sinful world it's affected by sin uh, and yet through the whole time the holy spirit is working through god's people to share the gospel to bring light into darkness calm into chaos uh yeah order into into catastrophes and so here we are again still today because we're still waiting on that day of the lord yeah yep. so here we are still in the time of acts the acts of the holy spirit and how neat that, you know, we see Peter at this moment, you know, uh, bringing up Scripture. You know, I think about, you know, this is kind of this big address to the crowd here, even like our time at, on uh, Sundays with church when we read from Scripture and we address that. You see that this is something that has always been done at the church of, about using God's Word to be able to declare that law and gospel and something that we have the opportunity to still do today. Uh, just before that, he does address that comment about these men being drunk. He says it's only nine in the morning. And when he says that, he's not just saying that, well, it's, it's too early. They wouldn't be able to do this. It's because Jews would actually fast until 10 o'clock. And that way they, they haven't eaten or they haven't drank anything. And so he's saying, you know, this, this isn't possible. They, none of these men have had anything even up to this point. It's only nine in the morning. So he's not just saying that it's, that it's too early, you know. <laughs> But then he kind of gets into it here. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me, actually, just even from Joel's works, are, is the inclusion of everything in here. Uh, think about, and same thing in, in Peter's uh, comments. It talks about the concept, it's uh, in verse 17, uh, it's all people, right? It's not just some, it's all people. He goes on to talk about the young, the old. Uh, there's no age discrimination here. He goes on to talk about both men and women. And think about the time that this is written. I mean, think about our own culture of how long it took for women even to be approved, to be able to be a, a voting member of our society. And we look way back and we see that, you know, God is declaring his servants to be both men and women. It's not just the, these uh, apostles or these uh, 11 disciples. It's these uh, group of individuals that he's pouring his spirit out on. And how inclusive this is through all of this, that all people will be a part of these great and wondrous works. And I always think that's kind of a, I don't know, just a neat inclusion of seeing how our, our God really does interact with us as children. Some people say, well, God's judgmental. He's uh, exclusive to only certain people, but that's not the truth. And we see that throughout, throughout all of Scripture. Maybe kind of a little breakdown here, too. Peter, as he typically does and several other people do, he kind of starts out by explaining these events. This is kind of what's, what's happening here. Let me give you a little history on this. And from there, 
kind of breaks into the the next section of really declaring uh, well the the gospel for us. You want to read this part? Yeah, yeah. So we'll go uh, verses 22 to 36. Peter continuing to uh, preach basically the first Christian sermon. Yeah. Uh, Men of Israel, hear the uh, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For uh, David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And Peter continues, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out uh, this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, uh, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I love that. What great bookends, right? He, he, he closes exactly where he starts. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God, kind of proves to him, to the reader and to us, you know, look at what he did. He had these miracles, these signs, these wonders, and then, again, concludes with that strong gospel. Uh, all of Israel be assured, God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Uh, really just says, you know, in, in a nutshell, here it is. Here's this great gospel message. I've told you the history. And here it is for you to be able to take a hold of uh, today in your hands and know by his spirit who your Savior and who your Christ is. Now I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Um, again, there are some other Christian folk, uh, denominations yeah. who, who really emphasize the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, specifically the we do too, but uh, specifically the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I've got some experience in, in those types of churches. I think it's really important to note that in Acts chapter 2, the first uh, real manifestation of the Holy Spirit in history 
the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene and he does uh, perform some signs and wonders that <laughs> get people's attention. Mm-hmm. But that's not the focus mm. and that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit, right? Immediately, right, it gets everybody's attention and they go, what, what does this mean? <laughs> what in the world does this is wild, amazing things happening around me mean? And Peter stands up and with the Holy Spirit, through Peter, points everyone to Jesus. Okay, that's the work, that's the first work, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to point people to Jesus. How many times did Peter say, this Jesus whom you crucified, God raised, and he's made him Lord and Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Uh, this is the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of the world. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help us point people and, well, and point each other, point us, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and to point others who are lost to Jesus, the only way to the Father, the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so the Holy Spirit is very much kind of a behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. kind of actor. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's not, whoo, look at me, check me out. Not like when you come out I and do, do some the neat sermon, tricks. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's all about pointing people to Jesus. That's the focus. That's the most important thing because, again, Jesus is the way. Yeah, and, uh, and how great, too, to be able to see where we left off just before the, you know, the, the individuals are there saying, what does this mean? And so Peter's telling them, well, let me tell you what this, what this means, that you're able to see this. Like, let me tell you who this Christ is. And again, for us to be prepared with that answer, you know, when people around us ask, maybe not so directly, but sometimes, and they're asking those questions, you know, what does this mean? Or why is this happening right now? Are we prepared with being able to share the gospel to people who are around us? Because as we'll see as this text continues on, it doesn't end there. Uh, Once Peter shares the gospel, there's this response that comes uh, back from from the people. They ask, you know, what does this mean? He says, let me tell you what this means. And they go on. So why don't we jump right into that then at verse uh, 36, 37. Yeah, we left off there. 37 says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other uh, apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And what a great question. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other wonders, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Church explosion. Yeah, 3,000 in a... In a single day, I mean, think think about that. Uh, I love though what it says. You know, the people are they're cut to the heart. They yeah. truly feel this need to understand who Christ is, and because of this, uh, they ask them, "So, what should we do? You know, you know, now what? What what should we do?" And he gives them this call to action. Uh, well, repent and be baptized. He says, "This is how you are forgiven. This is how you receive." the Holy Spirit. 
uh, maybe super powerful and important for us to remember. It's not the work of these men saying, well, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and then I'm going to make all these things happen. You know, it's really this follow-through of the Holy Spirit tugging. He is, he is cutting at their hearts and saying, you know, I am calling to you. I am calling. Do you hear me? And when they do hear, then it's this response on their behalf to be able to repent and be, be baptized. That's good. Uh, sometimes I like to give a little behind-the-scenes info to folks that show up to the Bible classes and stuff. <laughs> so uh, I'll just share uh, t- tonight. Um, so one of the sermon outlines that I like to use when I'm crafting my messages is, is basically Peter's, the first Christian sermon. Mm. Uh, they asked, what does this mean? Peter explained it, and then they said, what do we need to do? And uh, so... It's one of my favorites. I don't, I don't maybe use it once a month or so, but it's uh, basically uh, studying a, a passage of Scripture and just asking myself for my own sake and obviously for yours, hmm. uh, what do they need to know? What do you need to know? And why do you need to know it? And then what do you need to do? And why do you need to do it? Hmm. And so the gospel always comes into what do you need to know? Uh, because obviously there's going to be some law in there, but what has God done for us? What has Jesus done for us in Christ? And based on that, our gospel response is, what do we need to do? Whether it's uh, being a better father or being more forgiving or uh, whatever. So it's a pretty good model, uh, outline for, uh, for sermons still today. That's a good one to be able to follow. I like the behind the scenes. It's good. <clears throat> He'll be looking for that then over the next, next month here and see if they can pick out which one you do that on. Right. Uh, I like the, the concept, too, again, of the inclusion. This promise is for you. Uh, it's for your children. And, in fact, it's, it's for all of those who are far off. You know, it's not just those who are here today, uh, whether it's uh, in that state of faith or in that time period, but for all of those who are, who are yet to come. And how great, too, for so many of us to hear this promise is for you and it's for your children. Pastor Mark shared a correspondence with me uh, just today. It was from uh, a member of our church that said they were speaking with their child, and their child said to them, you adult, know, this is adult ju- child. yeah, adult yeah. child, yeah. Uh, this is just like uh, what happened within church. They were watching the church service online, and uh, her, her parent just didn't know that, that she was even watching. They, she thought that, that her, her daughter uh, was kind of, had cut the church off a little bit, wasn't really paying attention to it, and here she is watching uh, our online services and then corresponding with her mom and being able to share with her about this interaction. And so no matter who you are and where you're at with your kids or with your grandkids or for, for somebody else that you know, maybe always taking into account this promise that, that God makes that this word is for all. And so keep praying for your kids. Keep praying for your, your grandkids. Uh, share with them the gospel when you have those opportunity. Or for those who are far off in your life, knowing that the Holy Spirit can do anything. There, there's no, no boundaries and space or time that this is a message that's truly for everyone and truly changes people's For, lives. Forward an email from the church that has the link to our Sunday service. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> an easy, easy. easy way to be able to connect with, with people. Uh, one more maybe uh, application point kind of for this section here, the last two sections we looked at. I think it's interesting. I think it's pretty cool that Peter... <clears throat> 
uh, assigns the guilt and the blame for Jesus's crucifixion on the hearers mm. there in Jerusalem. And, and rightfully so. It was their greed, their jealousy, their hate uh, that, uh, you know, forced them or forced, you know, Pontius Pilate to have him crucified. They wanted to get rid of him. But at the same time, Peter also says that Jesus was handed over to them by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Um, I think that gives Christians a real sense of comfort uh, mm. during times that appear that the forces of evil uh, have the upper hand, um, that nothing happens outside of God's purview that's uh, not something he had planned for. Uh, God doesn't cause evil, we know that. Yeah. Uh, our own sins, the work of the devil obviously uh, does, but he's aware of it and will work through it. Um, I think that's comforting. I certainly think about obviously the world we're living in today. That, uh, it's not like God woke up one day in February and got surprised that there's a coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, look at this. And maybe just real quick, too, for all of us to think our generation is always so bad and that we always live in the worst times, you know, Peter says to them, you know, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, you know, that it's I the think, same people and same sins there, too, that he's, he's echoing and he's well, quoting here. Well, my footnote, it actually says that wicked generation is a prophecy. It's referring to the millennials. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your generation, is that what you're saying? No, I'm Generation you're, X. Oh, okay. You keep, you keep forgetting. That's okay. <laughs> uh, you and... Oh, Okay. All right, let's finish the final section here. You want to read this one? It's not prophetic. It? It's, he's, he's talking about all generations. Okay. All right, where are we? Fellowship of Believers, 42 to 47. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is really, really good. A lot of, obviously, I uh, heard a lot of church planters and stuff really focus in on mm -hmm. these verses and try to model their church family or church community like this. Okay, uh, so we're in Acts 2, verse 42. And they, they, that would be the new followers, there's 3,000 of them already, Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And this is great. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Mm. And you got to think their lifestyle was a witness for more and more people joining, following the faith yes. day by day. And so much in there. And I mean, good steps for us as a church body to be able to think about and to be able to make sure we're focusing on uh, devoting ourselves to the teaching, uh, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And so, I mean, even just those items, that teaching that's there, they're so focused on the gospel message. When it talks about fellowship, it isn't just mentioning, you know, us going to somebody's house and having dinner or something like that. They're, they're worshiping together, taking that time to be in the word of being uh, connected. 
Uh, the breaking of bread, it, it's really focused on that topic of communion, uh, which by the way, if you're watching this, just a little heads up, Pastor Mark and I were just talking today about how we're going to get that uh, instituted again soon. So look at that uh, coming to you. And then, of course, to, to prayer, uh, being able to actually speak with the Lord and listen to him, uh, not just uh, being able to, to take time to do these other things, but making sure that we're connected with fellow believers and connected uh, to the Lord. And so maybe you can even ask yourself this week, you know, how am I doing with these things? How am I doing in, in prayer with worship, even if it's online? with communion, even if it's abstaining for right now, looking forward to that, and of course to the gospel, to God's teaching. Are you spending time in his word? And and day by day, I think is, is mm-hmm. a pretty key phrase there, um, you know, attending the temple together. You know, the, the daily, if you want to call them services, at, at the temple were uh, people went to hear the word of God. That was the main part of the daily services at the temple uh people didn't have these nice bound yeah bibles books in, in their homes they have books and they're still on scrolls but um so if you wanted to hear the word of god and if you want to hear the word of god daily you went to the temple so if i think about uh their practice of going and hear the word you know what benefits do you think uh, the daily activities brought to their their lives. Well, it kind of notes that, I guess, right? When it starts talking about like the, the benefits, like, so they do these things, uh, teaching, devoted to the teaching, to the fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, uh, and then what happens? All believers have everything in common. It, it causes them to live a different way. They have everything in common. So number one, the church is, is unified. Because they're doing these four things, it actually creates union in who they are. Uh, then what do they do? They give to everyone uh, who has need. They sell their possession. They actually become good stewards, good managers of what the Lord has given to them. They don't just decide to be able to do this. Again, it's founded off all of these other elements. Because they're doing these things, they're becoming a different person. Uh, They're unified. They're selling all their possessions, becoming great stewards. And there's consistency, as you mentioned. They're doing this every single day. It isn't, we're letting this pass, or that's happening. You know, this is something that's consistent uh, in their lives. And then finally, as it gets down to it in verses 46 and 47, uh, you can see the joy that's there. They're praising God, enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord then adds to their number. That They're actually fulfilled. Uh, people are always trying to look, you know, what's going to give me fulfillment? What's going to make me, we often say happy, but it, it's probably better phrased, what's going to make me experience joy in my life? Well, here it is, following these elements that have been given to us uh, by our first church fathers, that when we have these things in common, this is what's created. And funny enough, I actually see, I think you do too, Mm -hmm. these things are happening right now in our own personal congregation. Even though we're semi-separated, it's causing us, I think, to focus on what's most important right now. And I... I just hope that if anything comes about because of what we're currently going through is that we will focus more on what God has given to us and focus more on becoming this fellowship of believers. Because often, as we even say within just our secular society, that absence makes the heart grow fonder. I hope that's true for us as Christian brothers and sisters. 
It's true for us in worship. It's true for us in communion. You name it. But that we will be able to come together and be able to heal those things and become, well, stronger because of it. And this is what happens in this early church. Uh, the Lord continues to add to their number daily those that are being saved. Uh, so if they had 3,000 that first day, uh, only imagine what has happened in the weeks that have followed, the months that followed, and truly the, the centuries and millennia that follow to where we're at now of us becoming a part of this family too. That was one of the questions I was going to ask is, you know, what, what do you think we can learn from their example? Oh, sure, you know, sure. Today? I, mean, I think you answered it. <clears throat> that's a big part of it, I guess, right? I mean, that's a, that's a huge piece for us. Yeah, commitment, I would say, to the means of grace, to how the Holy Spirit works uh, through the Word, through the sacraments, and then, uh, again, daily, I think, is so key. Uh, and, yeah, today, I for uh, all of the uh, pain uh, that the pandemic has caused, death, loss of jobs, economic you know, we're still trying to imagine how that's, you know, how severe that's going to end up being. Uh, I am so grateful to live in this generation yeah. through this time to yeah. see what you were talking about, God working to bring more people uh, in the, closer to him. I think, you know, I know as a pastor, I've, uh, and certainly in America, you know, what the last decades, at least, that you people talk about the de decline of the church, mm. mainline churches, the institutional churches, uh, and, and churches in general, uh, just declining membership, declining activity. Um, I think uh, uh, someone, you know, ten years ago would would consider them, themselves active in their church. Uh, if they went to church two to three times a month. Uh, today, uh, people consider themselves active Christians, active members of their church, if they just go to church once a month. Mm -hmm. And as a pastor, that I struggle with that. I struggle <laughs> with that. Twelve times a year, come on. <laughs> That's active. Ugh. And, and I want, you know, I want so much more uh, for our people. Uh, to be fed and nourished on God's word every day, and uh, yeah, I, I've had so many um, uh, frustrations in ministry of uh, preparing messages or Bible studies, and uh, not seeing maybe as many people as I would hope mm. be hungry for God's word, and I, you know what we've seen again with the online content worship service to the Bible studies and daily devotions mm -hmm. has, I believe there are many more people who are worshiping with us, who are studying God's word, who are having a daily devotion, who many people probably were not. Mm -hmm. And I'm just uh, pleased as punch <laughs> that uh, God is yeah reaching so many people right now. When you think about that, the concept of being active, right? Would you tell any of your friends that you were, you know, uh, an active, you know, mountain biker, if you only went 12 times of the year, or would you tell them that you're actively involved, you know, Golfer. with your family? Yeah, if you went 12 <laughs> times of a year. It just sounds like somebody that toys with something here and there, but when somebody tells me they're doing something daily, that seems very different. You know, that's somebody who is 
uh, in training. That's somebody who is disciplined. That's somebody who is dedicated. Uh, that's somebody who is truly passionate about something. And so why would it be any different uh, or probably more important for our spiritual lives to be active and being able to be involved uh, in God's word and these elements that we have there, of the, the teaching, the gospel, of the fellowship, of the breaking of the bread, and of prayer. So with that, maybe we'll close with prayer. I think I did it last week. You want to yeah, take us out this week? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, uh, our helper, our comforter. We uh, thank you for the faith that he has given us, uh, faith in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And we pray that we would continue to participate in the means of grace that are available to us now, uh, your word. Uh, daily uh, in your word, daily in prayer to you. And we look forward uh, to the Holy Spirit's work in and through Holy Communion. When that day uh, soon, uh, we join together again as uh, your family here at Desert Foothills with our family uh, all over the world in heaven with you and here on earth and the joyous celebration, the, the Feast of the Lamb's victory mm-hmm. over death. We pray for our congregation. We pray for each and every member. We lift them up to you. We have people who are sick. We have uh, family members who are struggling already financially uh, in our community as well. And we pray that you would heal and bless and keep them and that you would show us how we can, with our own uh, hands and our own wallets, be of service to them, to be your conduit, your vessel, to share your grace and love with uh, our members and our neighbors. For your continued guidance, we, we again uh, thank you and, and seek more of your Holy Spirit's wisdom uh, as we move forward in our families and certainly as a congregation. To you, Lord, be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we hope you catch you on Sunday. We're starting a brand new series this week uh, called uh, Family Life, so you hope you tune in for that, and then uh, come back and join us for Bible study next week. See you later.